Morning, everyone. Um, so the reading this morning is from Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 21. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. The news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Well, now I have to apologise for those with kids. Um, we w did have a kids' program planned. Uh, we don't have one, so sorry about that. If you need any colouring in sheets, there are some on the couches uh, out in the foyer if anyone uh, needs something. Well, we're starting our Christmas series today, uh, which will end in Christmas Day. So let's pray and, uh, and yeah, we'll commit this time to God. Heavenly Father, thank you. Uh, for this wonderful opportunity to open your word. Lord, we, as we look towards uh, Christmas and as we look towards this idea of freedom in a manger, Lord, help us to now uh, get clarity over just what it is that Jesus came to do. And Father, this passage we open up this morning, we know it's your word, you have spoken clearly and that you have given us this word for us. And so now, Lord, speak to us and uh, be with us as we consider this passage. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm pretty sure most of you will know how our national anthem starts. Uh, Australians, oh, come on. <laughs> Australians, any Australians in the house? Australians all for and... Free! Oh, there you go. Wow, that's a bit sad. I used to have to sing it. <laughs> I used to have to sing it every Friday in primary school. I remember, and I think I even hear it sung over at the school here occasionally. But isn't it a curious line? We are one and free. It used to be young, yeah, and then well, look at us. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're no longer young. Apparently, when you hit two hundred, you're not young. Uh, so we are one and free. Um, now one, I've lived in the uh, indigenous communities and I've lived in multicultural Western Sydney and I don't think there's much oneness. I think it's a big call to say that we are one. Uh, but then you think about this idea that we are free. It's a bold statement. We are free. Have you ever wondered what that means? What does it mean to be free? So what does it mean to be a person or a country that's free? We're going through a time, I believe, which is uh, really thinking about freedom. People are asking some questions about freedom. Is it really free 
if I can be locked in my home by the government and not allowed out? Am I truly free if I have to wear a face mask at church while I'm singing? Am I truly free if I have to sign in everywhere I go? Am I truly free if I lose my job because I refuse to have one vaccination? See, people are attending freedom rallies all across our country at the moment. Freedom rallies in Melbourne last week, last Saturday, Saturday before yesterday, 20,000 people turned up, the police estimate, all to oppose the, 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 um, the legislation that they believed was being put in place to impinge on freedoms. See, uh, what, what is it that is, what is it about freedom that we desire? See, now I'm not here to make a political statement on any of that. But whether or not you agree with the protesters, whether or not you don't agree with the protesters, freedom is high on the agenda this Christmas. And so today we are going to start this uh, season thinking about freedom and what is freedom. Because even if the legislation is passed in Melbourne, not that it affects us, even if the face masks are gone, even if mandatory vaccinations disappear, even if you don't have to sign in, even if all these things disappear, then the question is, are you truly free then? So the Bible addresses true freedom in terms of the human condition, not in terms of your political stance or the societal laws or, 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 or the freedoms that we long for here on the earth. See, it's beyond the laws of the land, it's beyond culture, it's beyond generations, it's beyond countries, it's beyond wealth. There are freedoms that exist within our human condition that the Bible talks about way beyond whether or not these freedom protesters achieve what they achieve. And they are conditions that we all need freedom from. Suffering, fear, judgment. So these are things we're going to consider over the next few weeks. See, Christmas is the time when we remember that the true freedom fighter was born. And that's why I've called it freedom in a manger. Jesus was the ultimate freedom fighter. And while the freedom rallies and the protests may win some freedoms, they will never be able to achieve true freedom from the human conditions that we mentioned. So this week we're going to consider how do we attain true freedom from suffering? How can we have true freedom from suffering? So if you have your Bibles, you can turn them uh, to Luke chapter 4, verse 14, which was read. If you don't, uh, I'll flick it up on the screen every now and again. But what we've got here is the book of Luke. It gives the narrative of Jesus' birth. Uh, Jesus is then... Uh, he grows up in Nazareth and he's, he, he hits the age of ministry and he, he goes out and he's baptised by John the Baptist. He's sent into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted and in that temptation of 40 days and 40 nights, he's proven to be uh, without sin, not to yield to that temptation, uh, the only person ever. And then when we come to this passage, we're told he's returned back to Nazareth. And he walks into the Jewish synagogue. Now the synagogue is effectively what we're doing today. This is where the Jews held their service on the Sabbath. 
Now, that is a synagogue in Nazareth that I was at in 2014. They've got a replica village of all how things would have been just as Jesus, uh, when Jesus was living. And you can see there, it's not a massive uh, place. Uh, they needed 10 men to make up a proper service. Uh, if you have a look closely, I'm in the bottom right-hand corner to prove to you that I was there. That's it. Squint your eyes. But see, the, Jesus, we're told Jesus stood up. Now, in the order of service, they would have had a very standard order of service. There would have been two main readings, one from the law, the Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, and one from the prophets. And then someone was meant to stand up and give a Bible talk effectively to bring those two things together and explain them. And this is what's happening in the text here. And Jesus, uh, he, he rolls the scroll to Isaiah the prophet, chapter 61, 1 to 2, and he says this. That's a bit small, but hopefully you can read it. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, reading Isaiah, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. We're then told he rolls up the scroll. Now, if you've been uh, to the Dead Sea Scrolls, they're massive. Uh, they've found a big Isaiah. He would have rolled the scroll up. They had wooden handles on the end. He gives it back to the attendant and he goes and sits down. And we're told that all eyes are on him waiting for him to give an explanation of you know, what, 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 what this is about. And then he says this. He says, Today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So in other words, what is Isaiah the prophet talking about? Who is he prophesying about? Who will bring these freedoms to people? Jesus declares at the beginning of his ministry, me. He says, I am the one who will set the prisoners free. I am the one who will bring good news to the poor. I am the one who will give sight to the blind. I am the one who will set the oppressed free. I am the one God sent to pour out his favour on humanity. And if you look at all these things, there's a universal problem right at the heart of all these statements, and it's suffering. Prisoners in awful conditions, often unjustly put, put into prison. There you've got the poor, no welfare systems, left to their own devices to beg, to try to do anything they could for, for, to, to relieve themselves of hunger, to relieve themselves of homelessness. You had the oppressed, widows and orphans. They weren't looked after all the time. And they were left to their own devices, cast out. Slaves mistreated by their masters. You see, Jesus is saying, I have come to set you free from suffering. But not just by bringing justice, but by bringing healing and forgiveness. The sight of the blind restored, the deaf and lame healed, the woman who was about to be stoned to death for adultery to be set free and forgiven. The leper cleansed of his leprosy. 
So if you have a look at the passages immediately after this, we see the, the blind are given sight, the, the, the healing comes to many. Spirits are driven out. But there's something more happening in these verses than just the physical healings and the physical releases. See, in Luke's gospel, when he talks about oppression and when he talks about uh, captivity and slavery and being poor, he's not talking about always wealth and he's not talking about uh, physical captivity. He brings out spiritual realities. He is talking about something bigger and Jesus is saying, I have come. And I fulfill this idea of freedom, not just on the world and the material that you see, but in a spiritual sense for all of humanity. I have come to deal with the human condition, come to set the human condition free, set you free from that. See, this is ultimately... All comes down, the suffering is caused by the human condition and the Bible calls that condition sin. See, right from the outset of creation, we're told that humanity went their own way, said, no, Lord, I am going to do this my way. I know better. I will take charge. And they set aside their creator. They set aside their God and they effectively turned their back on the Lord and said, I'll do it my way. They ignored, rejected and disobeyed him and the suffering that we have in the world is all because of what we call this fall romans 3 puts it this way there is no one righteous not even one there is no one who understands no one who seeks god all have turned away they have together become corrupt there is no one who does good not even one see our condition of suffering we will never fully understand why do we suffer unless we understand this human condition. We understand the problem. But Jesus stands in the midst of all this and he says, I have come to fulfill the freedom to set you free from this. Now I'm not sure uh, if you followed Cleo Smith's story. I think for every parent, I've got a five and six year old, Cleo Smith was four years old, and that was a horrific couple of weeks. On October the 16th, she went missing. Uh, now, I've done a lot of camping up the west coast of WA, and I tell you, it's barren, it's, it's a beautiful place. Uh, but being able to see the image of this girl being in a tent with her family... And her mum gave her a drink, I think it was like one o'clock in the morning, and they wake up at six o'clock in the morning and she's gone. The tent's open, and so they start frantically looking around. They can't find her. Call the police. The police come, they do a full search, and then they realise that the zipper of the tent was too high for her. And so chances are she's been taken. Now as a parent, and having, having camped up there, that's the last thing you would expect. You feel so, you know, it's so much safer in the outback than in the city, I can tell you. But I couldn't imagine the heartbreak. And as days went by and then a week went by, you assumed the worst. And I think no, no one really had much hope left in them. 
And then two weeks later on November the 3rd, if you remember, I remember waking up and flicking to the news on my phone and just reading, Cleo Smith found alive by WA police. Now, I don't know if you remember that, but I just kept saying, they found her. They found her. Now, she would have, like, that place is barren, no CCTV. I was amazed that they found her. And if you remember the account, they forced down the door. They went in, they saw this girl. And the police said to her, What's your name, sweetheart? She said, My name's Cleo. And they said, I've got you, Bubby. And they carried her out, getting teary just thinking of it. See, Jesus is standing up in the synagogue. He's knocked down the door of humanity. He's entered humanity at Christmas. He stands before us and he says, what's your name? My name's Adrian. And he's, I've got you, Adrian. I've come to set you free. But how? How does he set us free? See, the key is in this verse 19, if you can see that. It says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. See, this is a reference to the year of Jubilee. Now, ingrained in the Israelite culture, when God had saved them out of slavery in Egypt, brought them into the land he had promised, he ingrained into them uh, this idea of rest and freedom to set people free. And the year of Jubilee happened every 50 years. And what happened is that if anyone was indebted to anyone, they were set free from those debts. See, over 50 years, just like in our culture, people bought and sold and traded. Some become your Elon Musks. Some become your, your Mark Zuckerbergs, became quite rich and powerful. Others were left destitute, homeless, had to sell themselves into slavery. And as they got sold into slavery, they were often oppressed and, 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 and not treated well. But on the 50th year was the year of Jubilee. The slaves were set free. All the debts that they had accumulated were wiped. And the land that their clan or their family had been allocated when they went into the promised land was re-given to them. So even if they'd sold it, to pay, to just to live. They were given the land back. Everyone, everything was reset. True freedom came from all the things which had oppressed you. Debts forgiven, land returned, your dignity restored. You become the master of your own life again. See, here Jesus is saying his birth, his ministry, his life, his death, his resurrection is fulfilling the ultimate jubilee, the year of jubilee to end all jubilees. He's saying once and for all, I am going to do something to set you free from the very human condition that you are bound to. I have come to bring the favour of God into the world. See, Jesus was not just a good teacher. 
And he was that. Jesus was not just a good man. He was not just a powerful healer. Jesus was something far greater than that. He was the promised one right through the Old Testament. And we call him Saviour and Lord. He came to save the people from their sin, to set them free completely so that they can truly be free. The suffering, the torment, all the life that comes from broken relationships, from illness, disease, all those things, once and for all be dealt with, sin to be crushed and you to be set free from its slavery so that you can serve the Lord in freedom. See, this is why when Jesus was born, the angels appeared to the shepherds and they praised God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to whom his favour rests. See, the problem was with sin is our separation from God. Our true problem is that we stand under the wrath of God or the judgment of God. And it's a painful punishment. We're under his curse. It's a just curse. And suffering flows out from that as we don't have a relationship with him. We don't have peace. And we have a God-shaped hole in our hearts. See, now suffering can only be dealt with if that debt is paid by someone worthy of paying that debt. And Jesus says, after having been taken through the wilderness and resisted the temptation to its fullness, proven his worthiness. He now says, I am the one. And his life will lead him to the cross, to die on the cross as a substitute so that you will not have to bear that punishment for your sin. And that is why you are set free Jesus' life given to you, your life given to him, your punishment paid for on the cross. And his righteousness, his perfection clothed over you so you can look to God and God sees you as Jesus is perfect, in perf perfection. So that you can be reconciled to him. And how does that be made effective? Well, through faith, by putting your trust in him, by coming, instead of turning away from him, turning towards him. We call that repentance. See, Jesus is saying, I'm the one who will deal with true freedom. I'm not just holding a placard at a rally saying, we want freedom from the government. He is holding the placard of his life and he is nailed to a cross as that placard to say, you have been set free. I am doing this for you. See, 1 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, when we put our trust in Jesus and accept him as saviour from sin and the Lord of our life, we receive forgiveness. And that sets us free from that burden that we carry. We no longer have a debt to God. We receive the year of jubilee, his favour upon us. We put up our hand in this game of life like any other game in a sense. of, And we say, I need a substitute. I need someone to take my place. And Jesus says, I will take that place. When we do that, we have a future that will be 
eternally set free from suffering. You go, well, hang on a minute. I'm in Christ. I love Jesus. Why am I still suffering then? Because that's not the promise. It may happen in this life, absolutely. But listen to what the promise is in Revelation. He says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. See, but in this life we know that Jesus is in control of all things. So even as we journey through suffering, we can trust there is purpose in it. And we have our eyes fixed on that day. And all this achieves a great peace. Peace with God. Peace with the world around us. Peace with the life that we have been given. And we can live in peace because we are no longer trying to make up for our sin debt. We're no longer trying to make up for all the things that are wrong. We're not trying to make up for the failures in our business, for what we've done to our family, all those things, because ultimately we find peace with God through forgiveness. And then we find peace with each other as we express that forgiveness. So as God gives us our year of jubilee, we then extend that jubilee to others. The Lord's Prayer, forgive them, forgive others as you have been forgiven. Lord, please forgive us as we for, please forgive us our sins as we forgive others who sin against us. See, jubilee, freedom, is something we need to extend to others in response to what God has extended to us. But it's this great peace, even in our suffering, which is the true freedom from suffering. Philippians 4 7 says he will wipe everything. No, it doesn't. I've copied the wrong text there. Philippians 4 7. And the peace of God transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There is a peace that we can know. And then John 3 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. See, that's what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, I am laying down my life. I am sacrificing myself for you. And that is the gospel. That is the good news. And that is how you can be truly free from your suffering. I'm not sure if uh, you've read the news from yesterday, but in South Australia, there was a son and a father who went fishing together. The father was 50 years old. The son was 16 years old. They went out fishing day. Uh, I think it became rough. The, the son, 16 years old, got swept overboard, getting washed out to sea. What do you think the father died? Well, he jumped straight in after his son. Well, unfortunately, well, fortunately, the son lived, but the father didn't. See, the father sacrificed himself knowing that there was no point in him continuing if his son was not part of it. He loved his son so much that he was willing to sacrifice his own life in order to save his own son. And that is the message of the Bible. It is that God loves you so much that he has given his one and only son, Jesus. Jesus and the Father, together, sacrificing the son on the cross so that you may be at peace and be relieved from that anguish of suffering. 
So I want to leave you with the image of Jesus that Isaiah the prophet had foretold 700 years ago. It says this, 700 years before Jesus was born. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. But by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. How can I be truly free from suffering? What's well, by handing your life over to God and asking forgiveness and being set free from your sin. And once and for all, you can look forward to that day where every tear will be wiped from your eyes by the, by the Lord himself, where there'll be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, for the old order of things will pass away. Well, it's pretty simple to do that. You just say sorry to God for ignoring him, rejecting him and disobeying him. And you ask him to be the Lord of your life. It's as simple as that. And he gifts that to you. Nothing you've done, but all through his gift of grace. A free gift this Christmas. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you have given us a place where we can tr be truly free from suffering, truly free from the binding of this world in its, all its suffering, knowing that when we put our trust in you, Lord, uh, there will be a day where there'll be no more mourning, crying or pain, that you are making everything new. And Father God, we thank you that in this world, that when we come into relationship with the Lord Jesus, we can be free from the torment of the suffering, knowing that you are walking with us, that we do not need to fear death, we do not need to fear the suffering, because you are with us. And Father, thank you that by guarding our hearts and minds in the, Christ, in, in the Lord Jesus, that you give us a peace that transcends all understanding. And I pray for those who are suffering at the moment, Lord, and you know who they are by name. There are many people in our church and beyond. We pray that they will have a peace, even in their suffering, knowing that one day you will wipe every tear from their eye. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.